Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome back to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura, and alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? L.J., doing good. Uh, it seems that your connection is fixed. Uh, we are, once again, we're sorry about that on yesterday's mm-hmm. episode. Still, we got that quality content out there. But LJ, we still have uh, quite a few stories to talk about, some stuff that we weren't able to talk about yesterday. We kind of got uh, a coincidence once again where this news has progressed once more, uh, and we can talk about it today. So, uh, yeah, LJ, shall we get right into it? Because this is going to be an action-packed show. Yeah, we're going to start right off with the Dodgers and the Marlins. Brandon, tonight was Trevor Bauer's dream, run support. Finally. The Dodgers scored seven runs on six hits to go with his seven innings of shutout ball. Among this, Max Muncy went three for four. The Dodgers win seven nothing. Give the win to Trevor Bauer. He went seven innings, allowing two hits and no earned runs with 10 batters struck out. The loss will be given to Jordan Holloway. He went three innings, allowing two earned runs. Next up, Pablo Lopez versus Jimmy Nelson. Now, Brandon, uh, unfortunate moment for the Dodgers. One of their best players, one of the best players in the league, 
uh, certainly one of the top three shortstops in the league right now. Corey Seager will be missing some significant time. He has now has a fractured right hand after being hit by a pitch in the fifth inning of this Dodgers-Marlins game. Yeah, I mean, this is (laughs) not good, especially because the, the Dodgers have had to battle so many injuries already this year. I mean, they still don't have Cody Bellinger back. Uh, you know, guys like Joe Kelly, Dustin May. Now you're losing a key piece in Corey Seager. But LJ, you you have brought this up to me right prior to the show, and I guess that this is a perfect segue into it. I mean, they just signed Albert Pujols. This basically opens up a spot for him. I'll let you explain. Yes, Brandon, you just uh, gave a little surprise into it. The Los Angeles Dodgers have officially signed veteran and future Hall of Famer Albert the Machine Pujols. Um, He will be getting, I believe it is $430,000, the prorated version of the veterans minimum for this season. And he'll also, of course, be getting the $30 million that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim still owe him because of the contract he signed there some six years ago, eight years ago. Uh, time. It was a, it was a it, rough decade for the Angels, let's just say it, that. It, 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 was, it was when we were in our wee baseball years that he signed there. We, got, we didn't really get many of our good years with Albert Pujols, the St. Louis Cardinal. We got the majority of them with Albert Pujols, the Angel. But Brandon, this, I think this really certainly helps the Dodgers in a lot of ways, as bizarre as it looks overall uh, coming in here early. I mean, first off, it's a great slap in the face to the Angels. For them to uh, disrespect one of the best players to play the game in the way they did. And then to have the Dodgers say, okay, we'll let you come here. We'll let you ring chase and uh, get what we can out of you. I mean, this is a guy who certainly can still hit, especially left-handed pitching very well, as slow as he is, as many holes that are now popping up in his game with age. There's still that. There's also the added factor of experience. Uh, This is a guy that Mike Trout has gone on record saying that he has been one of his biggest mentors since he came up into the league. So he was a huge part of the leadership on that team. The more you look into it over the years, that's not a hole that the angels will fill easily. And overall, that means that this is going to be a great opportunity for pool holes to help this new era of young Dodgers. You've got a lot of younger guys on this team, even though they've been so competitive, so good for so long, that could really use that veteran presence. Um, Before I uh, let you jump in here, Brandon, just some precedent for this. Over the last six years, uh, Andrew Friedman has brought in a number of different guys like this. Uh, Chase Utley from Philadelphia, David Freeze from Pittsburgh all came in, played minor bench roles, um, platoon type of situations for the Dodgers over the past couple of years. And they, of course, had very, very strong leadership presence. They 
were rewarded with successful seasons. None of them won championships. But if I'm correct, Chase Utley is still in the organization in a leadership role. So he certainly knows what he's doing in terms of getting the intangible guys. Yeah, uh, to to jump on that last point really quick, uh, the other guys that I think about when that Andrew Friedman brought in, uh, Jimmy Rollins, Carl Crawford, at the end of their career, they went on the Dodgers as well. So he is known to make deals like this. Uh, look, second thing, uh, imagine five years ago or even like eight years ago, I told you that there would be a team that has David Price, Clayton Kershaw, Albert Pujols. Like oh. it's it's this team in their if like you take everyone on this 2021 Dodgers team in their prime, the team is winning 120 games. It's, it is. It's not fair. It's not fair. But uh, as for the Pujols signing, look, I mean, he is off to an ugly start to the 2021 season. I mean, that's probably the main reason why the Angels cut him. Uh, five home runs and 92 plate appearances. But LJ, there's a few numbers here that really stick out to me. A 176 BABIP, like incredibly unlucky for mm. a guy, for a power hitter, especially to have that low of a, a BABIP. Uh, incredibly unlucky, which is 110 points under his career BABIP. So just, you know, he's been a little bit unlucky this year. Um, and some of the, the stat cast numbers show that he has been a lot better than, you know, he that his actual numbers show. I mean, he has a 347 expected Woba, and that far outdoes his his uh, two, 270 Woba. So, you know, there is potential with this guy. I mean, we know we saw he's probably one of the best right-handed hitters ever. He's at least a top five right-handed hitter ever. And um, look, I mean... Certainly at first base, he will be able to fill in now that uh, Gavin Lux will potentially be playing short. Max Muncy moves to second base to fill his spot. Uh, and then uh, whenever Cody Bellinger is able to come back. But, I mean, look, this is a low, such a low-risk, high-reward move for the Dodgers because obviously they, they don't need his bat, but... If you can get anything out of him on a league minimum salary, uh, you know, it's incredibly important to have a deep bench in the NL as well. And, you know, he's a potential pinch hit guy too. So I think that it's it's a smart move for the, the Dodgers, but it's just a weird move. It's just like, I can't believe that I'm going to be watching him in a Dodgers jersey. Brandon, you didn't even bring up the fact that he's really worked on those legs must certainly did not skip leg day over the winter brandon up to a 21.6 feet per second sprint speed that is the fastest he's been since actually ever i mean granted he's only been on base about 17 times this season so there wasn't a lot of running to be done but still i mean this that's that's so that's really the only knock i can see on this guy that is 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 irreplaceable the guy can't run in camp field really yeah well you know what that it is what it is but <laughs> it's albert pujols he, he's supposed to just hit home runs he's just he's there to hit home runs and he's there as brandon alluded to and we talked about before this started he is there to play 
relatively immediately get his feet under him as a Dodger immediately with decent playing time. Of course, long-term, he's probably going to be looked at as more of a, um, a pinch hitter, I think. Not, pin, not, not even a pinch hitter, but a platoon first baseman, hmm. depending on what matchups you want to exploit. But the big thing with this Dodgers team is they are so, so versatile that they're going to be able to figure out what to do with guys no matter what's going on in their year. Um, in the year, they can fit guys around all sorts of places. So I won't be shocked when he finds his way into the lineup regardless, especially when you look at what Gavin Lux is doing right now. So let's first off, let's uh, focus on this fractured right hand for Corey Seager. He's going to miss some significant time with that opening up shortstop. Right now, without Cody Bellinger there, I'm putting Gavin Lux at short moving Max Muncy over, and that brings in more playing time for Albert Pujols. When Cody Bellinger comes back, I'm bringing Chris Taylor back into the infield. He let him play short. And then you think about it, Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux hasn't looked good at the plate. 660, sorry, not 666, 66 OPS plus. Um, that's a 593 OPS this year with a 235 batting average. That Those aren't good numbers that he's putting up offensively. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw them do kind of like platoon with them where you move Muncy to second, depending on the situation, or maybe you even just split the days um, between these two guys. Of course, uh, Gavin Lux batting lefty. I'm not, sure, I'm not looking at his split stats right now to see how much better he is on right-handed pitching. But I could see if a scenario where until Corey Seager comes back, especially Gavin Lux gets pulled from the lineup in favor of Albert Pujols on given days. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, the one thing about Gavin Lux is he was a top prospect in his own right and is still very young. So, you know, whether or not how they want to treat him, the amount of at bats that they want to that they want him to get, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that they can they can figure something out. Obviously, they they signed Albert Pujols for a reason. They think he can fit into this team. They don't. They're not signing him just for namesake. They already have enough of that on the the Dodgers. They clearly see something in him that they think that he can be per, pretty valuable. And if not. Well, it's on a league minimum contract, and you're already so far over the the third tax on the luxury tax that it doesn't even matter anymore. So, well, Brandon, last thing, and we'll leave it to this. Yeah. When's the Kevin Durant announcement coming? <laughs> When's he going to start playing left field for the Dodgers to try to win that World Series ring? It would be nice to see Albert Pujols win a third World Series, though. I just don't. It would be weird to see it like this. Like, hopefully, if the Dodgers win the World Series. I would love to see uh, Pujols somehow just have one home run in that series. Just mm. one. Or like or a clutch hit, something. Come up big there, yeah. Um, at least get him in the narrative. Well, Brandon, I mean, I, I wrote about this, um, did a little thing on why the Red Sox 
wouldn't be it wouldn't be crazy for them to bring him in. It wouldn't be crazy for anyone to bring him in because it's a good PR move to let these types of guys decide when they're done. I mean, reasonably, as long as this doesn't go disastrously with Albert Pujols and the Dodgers, I have to think that they wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back for another season. Yeah. So, I mean, especially if like this whole platooning, pinch hitting leadership role ends up working out, this could turn into another long-term thing like Chase Utley's did. So as the Dodgers, this is the ultimate PR move where you're basically letting Albert Pujols decide when he's done by bringing him in, by giving him another chance, by giving him another contract. He can either decide, hey, I'm retiring at the end of the year, make that announcement or whatever. Maybe he goes another year and says next year is the final year. And those are not he's not going to be remembered as a Dodger. He will always be remembered as a St. Louis Cardinal. He will be retired as a St. Louis Cardinal. However, with these types of guys, their final years are always going to be shown and celebrated to some extent, like whatever they do, their goodbye tours. I think having a guy in your jersey for those final moments is a major PR move that teams can take advantage of pretty easily, especially with a guy who hasn't been producing in pool holes to the extent that he should. Yeah, if I can almost guarantee that Pujols will not be a part of the 2022 Dodgers. It just doesn't make sense for the Dodgers to bring him back next year. Like at the current moment, uh, I would I would almost guarantee that that Albert Pujols is going to not be in baseball in 2022. I think this is his last season. Uh, he's pretty old, and you know there was that thing prior to the season where kind of got leaked that he was retiring. And then he said, no, I'm not after the season. So yeah, I don't know, but. Uh, Either way, it gives them flexibility and it doesn't matter. I guess my point is it doesn't matter when he announces he's retiring. It doesn't matter when he decides to retire, but it's a benefit to be able to have that clip of Albert Pujols last hit, Albert Pujols last home run, Albert Pujols doing his final Jersey swap or walking off the field for the last time, having that be in a, a white and blue Dodgers uniform is a benefit to any team marketing wise. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. All right. Uh, let's get to the other games uh, that happened today. Quite a few, of course, uh, starting with the Mets and the Rays. The Mets took a 3-1 lead top of the second after a Jose Peraza three-run home run. Top three, Pete Alonzo homers to make it 4-1 New York. Bottom four, the Mets fall apart. They allow RBI singles to Manny Margot and Randy Arozarena and RBI doubles to Willie Adamas and Austin Meadows. The Rays get five runs in total and take a 6-4 lead going into the fifth. It would be scoreless until the eighth when Francisco Lindor homered to make it a one-run game, the Mets trailing 6-5. Bottom eight was very similar to the bottom of the fourth as the Mets fall apart again. This time they surrender six runs on three RBI doubles from Yandy Diaz, Joey Wendell, and Brett Phillips. The Rays win 12-5. The win to Shane McClanahan, his first MLB win. Five and a third, six hits, four runs, seven Ks. Joey Lucchese takes the loss for the Mets, now one and three on the year, one and two thirds, three hits, four runs in relief. T 
Tampa's won three in a row. Today's series finale is Marcus Stroman versus Josh Fleming. This has certainly been a good couple days for Brett Phillips, just coming up big when this team's needed him. Moving over into the Angels and Red Sox, today's contest was a shell lacking. Yesterday was uh, Alex Verdugo's 25th birthday. Take 25, find its square root, add a little power, and voila, you get his fifth homer of the year in the bottom of the first. Run scoring doubles by Throbert D and Franchi Cordero twice. Book ended a piss missile by Xander Bogarts, which sailed right onto Lansdowne Street. Rafi Devers joined the party late with a solo piece, and that's all she wrote. The Red Sox blanked the Angels 9-0. Give the win to Martin Perez. He went six innings of shutout ball with five strikeouts. The loss will be given to Dylan Bundy. He went four innings, allowing seven earned. Game three features Jose Quintana and Nathan Eovaldi for the Red Sox. And the Red Sox are the first team in baseball to reach 25 wins. All right, on to the A's and the Twins. Oakland got two runs in the first on a Matt Olson home run. They would then extend their lead to four to one top of the fifth when Mark Canna homered. Bottom of the eighth, the Twins' bullpen would fall apart. They allowed four runs, three, or excuse me, the Athletics' bullpen would fall apart, allowing four runs, three on a Miguel Sano home run that gave the Twins the lead. The Twins go on to win 5-4. Alex Colome picks up the win out of the bullpen, the loss to Jake Diekman out of the A's bullpen. Hansel Robles gets the save for Minnesota. Today's matchup is Chris Bassett taking on Kenta Maeda. All right, Giants-Pirates. The Giants got out to a first-inning 3-0 lead on home runs by Darren Ruff and Brandon Crawford. It felt like the Giants were in control all game until a seventh-inning rally by Pittsburgh tied the game at six apiece. Jacob Stallings of the Pirates hit the walk-off piece 400 feet to left. The Pirates take game two against the Giants 8-6. to six. Give the win to Richard Rodriguez. Loss will go to Jake McGee. Johnny Cueto went four and third, allowing two earned runs. San Fran will look to end the skid with Alex Wood on the mound, taking on Mitch Keller. Brandon, this wasn't what we wanted to see. You couldn't drop more than one game to Pittsburgh here and still feel comfortable going into this Dodgers series next weekend. No, uh, to lose the first two is really tough. Uh, for as much as I feel bad for the Giants, I'm happy that this Pittsburgh team is actually kind of doing something this year, like completely overperforming in, in my mind. And I'm going to be talking about a couple of those guys on that team later, but uh, they really, you know, are keeping it close with the Giants. I mean, the, the fact that they took the first two is – very um, impressive, especially because how good we've seen the Giants starting pitching be. I did I did mess that up. Um, it was uh, two of the first three. The Giants took the uh, opener on Thursday. All right, still two of the first yeah. three is very impressive. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it, this is two different ways that it's been. Of course, the first game was not a big scoring day for them, especially, I mean, I think – really what we're seeing here the difference is um, a couple of bullpen days that just haven't been good for the Giants in a week where 
they really needed to just keep getting their confidence up. Luckily, of course, they've still got one more series. I'm blanking on who it is, the Cincinnati Reds, between now and the Dodgers. Hopefully they can get another strong day tomorrow to build that confidence up and give them a good fight. All right, on to the Cubs and the Tigers. The Cubs took a 4-3 lead after the third inning thanks to hits from Anthony Rizzo and Matt Duffy. Bottom of the fourth, the Tigers would score three runs to take a 6-4 lead, a lead which they immediately gave up in the top of the fifth on a Matt Duffy three-run home run. The Cubs lead 7-6. Bottom of the seventh, the rightful ruler of Venezuela, Miguel Cabrera, would single to tie the game. This would go to extras tied 7-7. Top 10 Matt Duffy comes through with another run scoring hit to give the Cubs an 8-7 lead. Bottom of the 10th, the Tigers get two singles, one to tie the game and one to walk it off. The walk-off coming from Harold Castro. The Tigers win a crazy game 9-8. Michael Fulmer gets the win. Uh, now 3-2 and two on the year. LJ, two hits or two innings, two hits, no earned in relief. I think they're actually going to trans like change this guy into a a bullpen guy. You know, he he pitches the last two innings today. They're putting him in in high leverage situations. It's crazy that they're uh, that you know Alex Cora has been utilizing him like this. I mean, I think it's cool that they kind of found a, a, another role for him. Yeah, he again. Here we go. Another trend in baseball: established starters making successful transitions to the bullpen I mean he has really been fantastic he's barely skipped a beat since they've moved him into this role and Brandon if you really look and dive into how they've been doing it what they've been doing it's been anywhere between three innings work one inning of work he's an incredibly versatile guy incredibly flexible in terms of how long he is willing to get, willing and able to go depending on the night for this team. It's really been a great job. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the worst. He was possibly the worst starting pitcher in the league in 2020 was in the number one percentile and expected ERA. So it uh, looks like the change to the, the bullpen is certainly helping as he's in the 57th now, uh, but Craig Kimbrell got the loss there. Uh, his second on the year, and it will be Kyle Hendricks taking on Matt Boyd today. Next, we got the Braves and the Brewers. The Braves got on a Milwaukee starter, Brett Anderson, early in a two-run piece in the second by Freddie Freeman, put Atlanta up 4 nothing. They go on to win the game 5-1. to one. Give the win to Ian Anderson. He went six innings with one earned run. The loss will be given to Brett Anderson. He went three and two-thirds of an inning, allowing four earned runs. Huascar Yanoa will take on Freddy Peralta today. All right, on to the Yankees and the Orioles. The Yankees scored five runs in the first two innings. An L. Gary single-plated two, and an Aaron Judge a home run, his 11th of the year. He stays red hot, and that made it 5-0 Yankees. Top six, the Yankees score on a balk and then a Luke Voigt single. The Yankees handle the Orioles 8-2. to two. Domingo Herman uh, does pretty well on uh, a Saturday night. 3-2, uh, and two, 
uh, six innings, four hits, one run, and six Ks. The loss to Jorge Lopez, one and four, two innings, six hits, four earned, and four Ks. Jordan Montgomery takes on future Hall of Famer TBD as the Yankees go for the sweep today. Next, we got Reds Rockies. During the main nine, McMahon of Colorado and Castellanos of Cincinnati traded homers, and we would go to extras. In the 11th inning, Kyle Farmer hit a two-run piece, which the Rockies got back with a two-run double by Josh Fuentes. The Reds added two more in the 12th, and the Rockies could only grab one. Cincinnati wins this one 6-5. to five. Give the win to Lucas Sims. Tyler Molly, the starter today, went seven innings with two earned runs. The loss will be given to Antonio Santos and the save to Heath Hembry, his first on the year. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a Hi, I'm Grace, and I'm an indie vet. I'm also home from work at 6 and already transformed into a princess. Mommy, put on your crown. That's because I've got complete control of my schedule, plenty of shifts that fit my life, and a team like no other. It's a whole new way to vet. Indie Vets. All right, on to the Royals and the White Sox. The Royals jumped out to a 4-0 lead thanks to a Salvi Perez three-run home run. Jose Abreu would homer for the White Sox, but Carlos Santana also goes yard for the Royals, and KC wins 5-1. Mike Miner picks up his third win on the year, seven innings, two hits, one run, and seven Ks for him. Carlos Rodon, with his first uh, real rough start of the year, is now 5-1. He takes the loss. Uh, his line, five and two-thirds innings, eight hits, four runs, and five Ks. Uh, and it will be Brady Singer taking on a Dylan Cease today. LJ, the Royals have a chance to win three out of four here. Yeah, that would be a great turnaround. Maybe get the wheels rolling in the right direction for them if they can pull this game off today. All right, we got the Nats and the D-backs. It was a decided win for Arizona, who led from the bottom of the first on. The Nationals fall 11-4. to four. Eduardo Escobar went three for five today with two home, ru- home runs, home runs, and seven RBIs. The win will be given to Alex Young. The starter Seth Frankoff went four and two thirds in an inning, allowing two earned runs. The loss will be given to Joe Ross. Today will be Eric Fetty versus Luke Weaver. All right, just a few more games here. The Rangers and the Astros. Houston scored four in the first on an Alex Bregman single and Carlos Correa three-run home run. Bottom seven, Kyle Tucker goes yard to make it six to one Houston. Uh, LJ, I'm not sure if you uh, listened to the podcast yesterday uh, when it was just me, but Kyle Tucker was uh, one of my guys on the PPP. He has been playing really well as of late. Uh, Top eight, the Rangers managed to score four runs, three on a Joey Gallo bomb. They would trail by one, but they couldn't get the job done in the ninth. The Astros win 6-5. Luis Garcia picks up his first win on the year. He's now 1-3. 5-1 and, 
five innings, five hits, one run, and five Ks for Houston. Uh, the loss for the Rangers goes to Dane Dunning, now two and three on the year, four innings, seven hits, four runs, and three Ks. Ryan Presley gets his seventh save on the year, and Houston has now won five in a row. Kyle Gibson and Lance McCullers toe the slab for the series finale today. All right, Cardinals Padres. Loads of long balls in this one. First was Tommy Pham, Ha Seung Kim, and Austin Nola for San Diego. Then Molina, Arenado, and Bader for St. Louis. Austin Nola, in addition to that home run, was three for five with six RBIs. The Padres outslugged the Cardinals 13 to three. Give the win to Miguel Diaz. Chris Paddock started this game and went four innings along one earned run. The loss will be given to Adam Wainwright. He went four innings along six earned. All right. I got the last two games here. Uh, first, the Phillies and the Blue Jays. Bottom of the first, Vladdy Jr. hit his 10th home run of the year to make it 1-0 Toronto. Toronto would then get RBI hits from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Reese McGuire, and they ride their strong pitching to a 4-0 victory. The win to Travis Burgeon out of the Toronto bullpen, now 2-0 on the year. Anthony Kay got the start for the Blue Jays, four innings, one hit, no runs allowed, and six Ks. Aaron Nola takes the loss for Philadelphia, now 3-3 three three on the year. He pitches into the seventh inning. He goes six and two-thirds, nine hits, three runs, and eight Ks. And today will be Chase Anderson and taking on Robbie Ray. For the Indians and the Mariners, bottom one, Mitch Hanniger hits his 12th home run on the season to give Seattle a 1-0 lead. Dylan Moore with a shot of his own to make it 4-0 Mariners. Seattle goes on to win 7-3. The win to Justice Sheffield, now 3-3 three three on the year, six innings, five hits, two runs, two Ks. The loss to Tristan McKenzie of the Indians, now one and two on the year, four and a third, five hits, five runs, and six Ks. Uh, today will be Shane Bieber uh, versus another TBD. All right, uh, now is time for the PPP, particular players people might care about. Uh, I have two, and LJ has two. Uh, LJ, you can start with your guy first. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to take, I'm just going to do both my guys, group them together here because okay. they're basically on this list for the exact same thing. Multi-hit days with a boatload of RBIs here. Of course, we have um, Austin Nola. We just talked about with three for five, six RBIs. And then, of course, Eduardo Escobar here, has two homers in the game, seven RBIs. Brandon, it just, it reminds you, guys have three for five days all the time. Guys have two RBI or two home run games, not all the time, but semi-regularly. It's not common. Like it takes very, it's very streaky to see days where RBIs go above five. And that just, that goes to show how weird a stat that is to me, I think. Just because it absolutely does say something. It is a good measurement of overall how much a guy is performing both power, oppor uh, contact, opportunity in those big opportunities with runners on, particularly runners in scoring position. However, 
it just goes to show that it can't be the end all be all. These guys could have done the same thing for 10 straight games and maybe eight of those games, they don't get over five RBIs. It's just, it's such a streaky sport overall. And this is just another sign of it. The RBIs. All right. Uh, my two, uh, I have one pitcher, one hitter. My first guy is uh, a Yankee and it is Domingo Herman. Uh, had another great start tonight. Uh, yes, it was against Baltimore, but uh, he has been really pitching well uh, since, I guess, his first Baltimore start. So April 28th, I mean, since then, he's gone at least five innings every time. He's gone at least six, uh, three out of four starts. Uh, has only allowed uh, three earned runs in one start since then, and that was against the Astros on May 4th. And uh, in May, has now gone 17 and a third in innings, uh, allowing six earned runs, striking out 18 with a .98 whip and a 3.12 ERA. Really solid for a guy that we really had no idea what kind of production that we were going to get out of him. You know, has that great 2019 season, and then he uh, has to miss the whole 2020 season, and we we weren't really sure if his head was really in the game, if he was if he was a hundred percent there. But obviously he is, and he's been pitching very well. His curveball has been working really good. Uh, when you go to some of these uh, stat cast uh, stats, when it comes to run values for the pitch, I mean, of opponents are hitting like 130 versus his curveball here, and um, it's been really good this year. Uh, and really surprised that we can you know say he's been i guess our third or fourth best pitcher probably our third best pitcher this year my second guy is adam frazier of the pirates uh lj this guy leads the national league in hits right now uh Hmm. has really been stroking the ball well this year and uh you know a guy who has got really zero attention i mean this this uh, Pirates team projected to be not good this year at all. And this is a guy, Adam Frazier, who rarely strikes out in the 97th percentile. He never really swings and misses, but he also doesn't hit the ball hard. The first percentile for a hard hit percentage, but he's been able to get these hits to drop in. And his expected batting average is also really high too. I mean, he just hits these like uh, soft, like line drives, I guess, and they're able to get through just a lot of singles right into the outfield and uh, hitting 318 this year with an 845 OPS. So really impressive. And he's not getting talked about because he's on the Pirates. Yeah. I mean, when you're playing, that's the thing, this Pirates team, again, seven and 22 is not good. They are still not a good team. However, they can play teams close when they want to. They're they're playing teams closer than their minus uh, 41 run differential makes it look like. And Adam Frazier has been a big part of it, Brendan. It is always good when a guy's stroking it well. Yeah, I mean, they're only five and a half games back. <laughs> yeah, that was... Too oblivious little... <laughs> uh, but they are only five and a half games back. And LJ, we talk so much about the race to 
Memorial Day. Uh, they're still hanging in there. And LJ, that's coming up soon. So we're going to have to do a little bit of a standings deep dive here in a little bit, a few episodes, because we're close to, you know, LJ, that's a big uh, mark, mark for you, at least. Absolutely. I mean, really, it sets the tone. Uh, May 31st will set the tone for the entire season. It shows us who is a legitimate competitor, who isn't. I mean, the Washington Nationals of 2019 are just about the only team I can think of that looked out of it at the end of May and went on to win the World Series, went on to be an actual legitimate piece here. And that team was such a freak. I mean, first off, you have Anthony Rendon getting recognized for the first time in his entire life. I mean, Tony just, Tony deserves everything he he should get. Tony hasn't gotten enough respect. That's all I think of is respect, respect, respect. I have so much respect for that man. But to get back to my actual point here, um, you have those storylines. You have Juan Soto's storyline, a very good team that's playing horrible to start that year. They come back. They also don't win a single game at home with even with their rally cry of baby shark. I mean, there's not a single thing about that team that isn't strained. But yeah, the point is being besides them, there isn't really competitors that haven't separated themselves into the pack by Memorial Day. So you get a real shape of what the league is going to look like with those first couple of weeks. Or after those first two months. Let's get on to the leaderboards and then LJ. Do we want to talk A's today? Yeah, let's do it. We're not going to get around to it another time. So all right. We got time, right? Yeah, we will do the 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 leaderboards quick and then we can have about a five minute talk on the A's. That should be enough. Um so you're the one who wanna do it. War for hitters, trout and buxton. Mike Trout and Byron Buxton, that is, tied for first with 2.4. Ronald Acuna behind them at 2.3. Xander Bogarts and Chris Bryant behind him at 2.2. War for pitchers, uh, it's it's Garrett Cole at 2.8. Jacob DeGrom at 2.3. Corbin Burns at 2.1. Home runs is now a two-way tie between Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mitch Haniger of the Seattle Mariners. RBIs is a two-way tie between Jose Abreu and J.D. Martinez. And Brian Reynolds of the Pirates, uh, with 15 doubles, leads the league this year. All right, we've got um, another little bit more news here, of course. The Major League Baseball is now recommending that the Oakland A's explore relocation opportunities if the city of Oakland does not approve and help pay for their stadium, their a new stadium for the A's. Of course, their overall situation there hasn't necessarily been the best one over the past while. Braden, what are your thoughts on the situation before I give my answers? Haven't we been like doing this with for the last six years? Like, hasn't this like the league has not specifically said you should look to move. But it's been a battle between the athletics and the city of Oakland to get a new stadium done. Yes, it has. It's basically been like the girl 
complains constantly, constantly to her friends about how awful her boyfriend is and how she's going to break up with him, but never brings herself to do it until her mother kind of finally walks up to her and says, sweetie, he's just not good for you. You need to move on. And then she finally does it. That's basically what's happening here. Well, look, I was uh, reading a Jeff Passan article and he said that if the A's were to relocate, Las Vegas is the most likely spot. Uh, look, in terms of actual, uh, the, this actual situation, it's, I mean, the Oakland Coliseum is not fit to have a baseball games there anymore. The stadium is an absolute dump now. They're having very bad drainage issues still there. And it is not a very good a baseball, you know, field in general. I mean, there's a lot of foul territory. There's a lot of weird things about it. The There isn't really actual dugouts there. Uh, it's just not a great place to call home. And if you could get another Oceanside, a ballpark like Oakland is trying to get with the city, that would be great. But now that the MLB is stepping in and saying that the, the Coliseum is, you know, not a, a viable option, that is going to force the A's to actually do something here. Like, are they going to actually have to move? I mean, I don't know. Is Las Vegas the best place? I, I, I don't think so. I would prefer a place like like Memphis, maybe. LJ, I don't no. on this. All right. Stop. What's so bad about Memphis? It's not going to fucking work. It won't work. I'm right, sick we'll- and tired of hearing about South teams. I'm sorry. I don't mean to snap. First off, I'm going to mention in my more fun part of this answer um, a team that goes against this ruling. However, in my opinion, it would be a gigantic headache to move them out of the West Division. Okay, fair enough. Moving the divisions out, that's going to be a gigantic headache. You could get away with it moving them into the Central if you just kicked uh, Kansas City to the West. That would be the one that works. Moving them any farther east gets to be a bit of a stretch. However, what about Vegas? Vegas works, yes. But that's beside the point. Back on the Memphis thing. In Memphis, and the other one that I've heard is Nashville, which also uh, just aggravates me, is undoubtedly, especially with the way the game is played now and the way it's taught in this area, the South is one of the biggest baseball areas in the nation. There's no doubt about that. Ba- football and baseball is huge down there. The players that are good in baseball pretty much play year round. And there's a reason the SEC is so strong in baseball and football. It's because that's what the area is passionate about. That's what they're willing to put the most money into. You have left one of the most baseball craved parts, regions of the United States with pretty much one team in the Atlanta Braves that's in a reasonable distance for them to be rooting for. All of these people from Tennessee, Alabama, um, you name it, anywhere anywhere that's not in a semi-reasonable distance to Florida, you know, the Rays aren't even at a reasonable distance for anyone to drive or fly cheaply. They've got one team. They've had one team for what feels like an eternity. Do you really think you're going to get 
that many key people to pull themselves away from the Braves in favor of a closer team? No, the Braves are a legacy team. They're going to keep most of their fan base and that's going to fail. I mean, as I look into this, um, it looks like that Las Vegas is like really the only like spot that they're, that they're even bringing up. Which, yeah, but that, that's because it's the easy answer, which doesn't mean necessarily that that's the only answer. Brandon, I'm going to give my serious answer here first before I get into the fun stuff, because my serious answer is quite boring. They're not moving. Okay. It, it's I mean, as if they will be in Oakland through 2030. Mark my words. At the Coliseum? Not, not at the Coliseum. Not at the Coliseum for 2030. The Coliseum won't, wouldn't be able to stand until 2030. <laughs> um, seriously, think about it. Oakland. What the hell else is in Oakland now that the Raiders are gone? The Warriors. Well, yeah, but I forgot. Baseball, basketball doesn't exist right now. My point is, my point being, if you start just like letting these teams walk one by one, didn't they leave too? They're not in Oakland anymore. That's right. They did. They have a new stadium now. They play in San Fran. Wow. Yeah. There's literally nothing in Oakland. There's nothing that makes Oakland special anymore. And, and you just think about how many issues are going on in California right now all around. This is like the one thing, one of the few things that makes areas like Oakland seem like, hey, really nice, seem like vacation destinations, get that extra revenue in. The the city can't afford to not have the A's there. They played around too much with the Raiders, probably the most, the, the team with the most fan base of that whole group was the Oakland Raiders. They messed around with them. The Raiders left. They will not make the same mistake with the A's when all is said and done. They will cave. A new stadium will be built. They'll be there at least through 2030, at minimum. Um, If you're asking for a fun answer, Portland. Love it. I I, I don't see see what's wrong with it. I mean, I guess you'd kind of be dipping a little closer to Seattle's market, but you're going to be dipping closer to markets anyways, as long as you're not trying to take a chunk out of a huge one, you're going to be fine. It's close enough to their existing market also, which helps. You're not going to lose everybody in Oakland to San Real move quite, lose quite a few of Oakland A's fans to the giants. However, you're still going to be able to keep a large portion of them with them only being in Oregon, same time zone, generally the same area. Portland also has a pretty good record of, being really good to their teams, being good to their franchises, being good to their franchise players and loving them. I mean, you think about how successful and how good a strong and supportive a fan base the Trailblazers have. I don't know much about the MLS. However, I have to think that as a person who doesn't know, I can actually definitively say this, that to me, the Portland Timbers are one of the most recognizable brands in MLS. I'm not sure exactly why. However, I have to think that that has something to do with 
the fan base with the success and overall that goes with a very similar consistent success that Oakland always has, this athletics organization always has. The spot that might be a very, very sneaky pick, especially now, that breaks my rule of let's not move divisions. How about Buffalo? If you're already going small market, you can go to another small market that has proven to have impassioned fans in just about everything. The Sabres are very well loved. Of course, the Bills are one of the crazy, Bills Mafia is one of the craziest fan bases in all of sports across the globe. I mean, I think you're certainly going to get the fan support there. They've had experience with major league teams with the Blue Jays playing there um, last season. And at some point this season, they'll be having played in Buffalo instead of Toronto, not being able to go to Canada. And there is some precedence for this. They were a finalist for the 91 expansion. So, I mean, I know that's 30 years difference. However, the stadium that they're using right now was built because they were thinking they were going to get a major league team. So it's certainly not, it's certainly a market that major league baseball has explored. It would be an absolute pain to figure out the logistics of moving the league around if they were to move that far East. However, it's certainly a sleeper pick. It's a sleeper pick, but I think we're forgetting that it's, you would not be able to have uh, very many home games in April. It well, you wouldn't keep that same. Well, you wouldn't keep the same stadium. You're putting a roof on that baby if you're going Buffalo. Yeah, because I was gonna say like there's there's snow there through like April. Like no, 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 you're you're putting a roof on if you're if you're in Buffalo. They're not gonna keep. I'm I'm blanking on what the stadium's current name is. But they're not going to keep that stadium if they do it. Anywhere that they go, it'll be a new park. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that we are just about out of time here. We're around just over the hour mark, I want to say. But, yeah, hopefully the A's. uh, You know, I I would love to see a team uh, relocate, but it – if I was an A's fan and I did live in Oakland and was able to attend games, I just don't know if I'd be able to cope with having to like lose my team getting taken away from me. So if I had to to live in Oakland, I would, I would already be sad. The A's would just be cherry (laughs) on top. Um, One more sleeper pick, Vancouver athletics. I like Vancouver. I'll leave that at Uh, But yeah, I have to agree with LJ. I would say that they're going to stay in Oakland. They'll still somehow uh, fund a new stadium, I'd have to say. But if not, uh, we could see them in somewhere new. So uh, that's it. certainly interesting. But uh, I think that that's going to do it for today's episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Uh, of course, the only podcast that we know of that has seven days a week MLB content. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod, keeping up with our uh, trivia giveaway. Of course, we post a trivia question every day. Uh, if you were able to get it right uh, and have the most 
correct answers by the end of the season, you will get a free Belly Up Sports t-shirt and the first MLB Daily shirt when it uh, comes out. Uh, so make sure that you're following us on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod to keep up with that. LJ and I are both on Twitter. I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. LJ is at LJ underscore VP underscore LaFiora. That's going to do it for this one. Have a good day, everyone. Uh, enjoy your Sunday. See you manana. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.